Welcome to Film Grain, the official podcast of the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania and the Greater Erie Film Office. This week, we are discussing the Sundance documentary, Bloody Nose, Empty Pockets, from 2020. I'm John Lyons, filmmaker, teaching artist, and director of programming for the Film Society. I'm Erica Berlin, executive director of the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania, and I am having a delicious glass of whiskey for tonight's episode. Perfect. And I'm Mike Berlin, your cinema barfly for this episode. Excellent. So Bloody Nose Empty Pockets is a documentary that got a lot of attention out of Sundance. It had been on my wish list to watch for a long time. Very well reviewed. It's only a 99 cent rental at Amazon, video on demand. So spend that $1. It's directed by the Ross brothers, Bill and Turner. And it looks at the final moments of a Las Vegas dive bar called the Roaring Twenties. Basically, you are a fly on the wall for this film as the regulars come in on the last day of its opening before shutting down. And there's not really too much to set up. It feels, for me, very realistic. Anyone that's went to a bar in a college town or if you grew up in a small town, actually probably every city in the world has a little hole-in-the-wall bar like the Roaring Twenties where you have people from all different backgrounds, all different walks of life coming together. And it's basically one of those documentaries where uh, you get to meet these colorful characters and hang out with them the last basically 18 hours that this bar is open in Vegas. So that's the setup. <laughs> what did you guys think? Yeah. Uh, well, I think it's a little bit more than that. Uh, with coming from the, uh, let me give some context from coming to like New York and Los Angeles with, I think, gentrification. And it's unique that it's happening in Las Vegas and that this happens like right in between like the main drag of uh, the South Strip of Vegas and then Fremont. Gentrification is just nailing uh, metropolitan areas and you can debate whether it's good or bad, but like there's no denying that like a lot of cities are losing some of their authentic element. And I think a little, the movie is touching a little bit upon this. It's not making, it's not judging it. It's just sort of like putting it in a time capsule and be like, this was part of Vegas, uh, right by where the Sands was. Now we're gonna find out, I think a bunch as we talk to you, John, but like, I don't know if the Roaring Twenties was a real bar or not. Well, I mean, it, it's okay. Before we get to all of that, that'll be much, much yeah, later. See, this, this to me was like, this was anywhere. Like John said, this bar could have been absolutely anywhere. These people looked like you could go on any street, any side street in Erie, and this was where you were going. I remember I asked somebody, it might've been Jim Wirtz, <laughs> Jim Wirtz, if you're listening, I asked somebody, I'm like, man, there's this bar in Erie. I think it was on Cherry Street down near like, um, or no, maybe it's Poplar or somewhere. Cause I'm like, man, there's this bar, Sophie's bar or something. And it's down on like third and Poplar or something. 
I'm like, man, look at that. There's like a, there's like a corner bar. It's right in the neighborhood. Wouldn't it be cool to go there? Like, no, that is a total dive bar. You do not want to go there. And I'm like, oh, really? And I'm wondering, it's like, is this the kind of bar? Because this is not the kind of bar I want to hang out in. Like, if you watch this movie, and I hate to be a snob, but I'm not hanging out in this bar. This is not an Erica bar. This, this is, is not a, an Erica bar. This is a okay? Mike bar. This is not an Erica bar. This is not even a Mike bar. This is the bar. It's not fancy. It's not fancy. It's not a fancy bar. It doesn't look okay? like much for me. This is an alcoholics bar. This is the bar. It starts off at like... 8 a.m. It's a neighborhood bar. When the it's alcohol. Not an alcohol. No, 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 no. This is a strip mall bar that is a bar in a strip mall that has like no windows but a door. And that's where the light comes in at <laughs> night at 8 a.m. And the alcoholics show up at 8 a.m. I mean, this is that bar. And this is when the homeless man shows up at 8 a.m. and shaves in the bathroom. Like that's this bar. So let me set that up. But this bar exists in every town, whether it's got 500 people in it or 8 million people in it. There's about 5,000 of these in that town, you know? So this bar exists everywhere. I don't know if it has anything to do with gentrification, Mike, no offense. No, I actually, I thought that was a good point, personally. I think that's in the background, for sure. And another sure, thing maybe that, it is. Yeah, that we yeah. should say that's in the background is uh, they started filming, actually, the day after the 2016 presidential election. So when uh, I picked that up, Trump yes. was elected president was when I they, they filmed up. this. Yeah. Yes. When Bruce was talking, there's a point where Bruce was talking where he says, look, <laughs> He's either going to get impeached or assassinated. And Bruce called it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about some of the, some of these characters. Yeah. Um, so you've got, I think the, the bartender that works the first shift, right? He's kind of the big burly guy and he's playing the, the acoustic guitar, right? Yeah. Yeah. Very, very charismatic. I'll just say about all the characters, you love every single one of them, pretty much. I mean, for their for their wonderful characteristics and the things that you kind of dislike about them, you still, everyone you kind of have a thing for. You got the like musician that's kind of uh, not really making music. <laughs> you know, he's, <laughs> he's, I don't know how old he is. He's maybe like 40 or something. It seems yeah. like he's past his prime. You've got the yeah. like pseudo intellectual guy with the uh, suspenders. <laughs> well, like the quarter. Oh no, the, the, the overalls. Who's the guy who takes his pants off at the bar and who's doing? Oh, like, John. Jim, John. John. The Australian. The Australian yeah. guy. And he's doing like some hard, hard drugs. Um, acid, right? <laughs> he's, doing he's doing some, some acid. acid. Actor that's past his prime, Michael. 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 You're, he's your Frasier, I feel, of the bar. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like a dark twisted cheers in a way it, with a much smaller cast of of regulars less teeth much less teeth much less teeth than cheers yes. okay so here's the thing i while i was making lunch after watching i was thinking about it and i was talking to erica i, I definitely had a bar that i used to go to with or like right out of college on the regular sort of like this and it was not nice <laughs> but like it was my bar it was the corner bar right around where I lived in New York City in Astoria. Uh, it's called Keys and the Keys. 
uh, spell or I, I thought it was Quays Forever, but it's an Irish bar, bar and it's the Gaelic pronunciation. But point being is I think that once upon a time, like with like Cheers and Charles Bukowski, there was like actually a period of time where there was a lot more romanticism thought of in the bars. Hmm. And this film sort of is like, it's like, yeah, but here's that veil sort of pulled away. Like, this is like the real, like you, you're going to love these characters, but like, it's not like these people are missing teeth, you know, that like they're being pulled out, barely able to walk. Right. Like if, and if, talk. If, cheers is a total, like, I think there's a weird sort of thing because we grew up with it and that it's just like, Oh, I love, but it's like, it's yeah. Not, cheers is like Hollywood. And this yeah. is like real, real life. Yeah. Alcoholism. Alcoholism, yes. <laughs> the people that get there, yes, very early in the morning, yes, for sure. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say, say necessarily I've... every person in here is no. an alcoholic. No, no, no. Well, and to me, my favorite character and my and the saddest character was Michael. Michael clearly was homeless, and what really struck Michael me again and... was was an actor. Michael was the actor? No, he he was he like he was an actor. He talks about that in the at the bar. You know, Michael says my favorite things. He he wasn't an alcoholic until after he ruined his life. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And he said that, you know, you are only a success because of luck and timing. He's like, there's only a few people who can bull ahead and create their own success. The rest is just luck and timing. And he said that, um, he said that this isn't my family. I'm just somebody who you talk to in a bar and that his actions, because he's homeless, you know, while he's there, he spends the entire day there. He has a great time. He connects with people, but at the end of the, when they wake him up and they say, Hey, you know, you got to get up, you know, despite the fact that, you know, they're, he's connected and he's had a great time there all day and he, you feel like Michael is so connected to the place and when he wakes him, up and she says, do you want a ride or, or you okay do, do you drive? need help to your car? Mm -hmm. He's like, I don't have a car. You don't know anything about me. Yeah, you don't know anything Except about he me. Picks, you don't know anything about me. And he's like, and he leaves, he goes, you got a great place here. And he bolts. Like he has so no tragically sad. So tragically sad. And he has no connection to place because he can't afford to have connection to place because he's homeless and he doesn't know always where he's going or where he's going to stay. And to have so the bartender that sees you probably every day and talks yes. to you every day, not know enough about not you on any level other than. Right. Right. That's sad. And that's, he, that's really yeah. sad. And you're just like, Oh my God. And you just love him because you see him throughout the whole movie drinking mm -hmm. and then drinking coffee so never actually really seeming that intoxicated you know so he's always seeming like he's maybe a little intoxicated but he's always pretty much aware because you know that maybe he's gonna have to leave you don't know when that could be from the beginning to the end he was the one that you knew the most what about you mike what did you think about the veteran at the end of the bar I thought Bruce. he was interesting. Yeah, Bruce. Bruce. Is Bruce, Bruce. I mean, like, if you've spent a lot of time in bars, then it's just like at some point, you know, the variation of that person. 
Uh, obviously the film sort of circles around Michael, I would say. And one of the interesting things too, and I tried to point this out there, is like, I think there's the morning crowd and the mm -hmm. other, the people who are there the whole day, but there's kind of the morning crowd and then there's also the night crowd. And then there's the morning crowd that gets a call that he's late for his job at like, what was it like in the afternoon or something? The afternoon, he's yeah. clearly smashed. Shit taste. Just and they push him out the door. And yeah. he wants to fight, right? He's the guy that tries to get in a little bit of a... One of them. One of them. Well, like... one of them. well he's just like, you're an idiot. Like he, but he he doesn't even have enough strength to fight. He's right. just like he's drooling on himself. As he <laughs> yeah, he's him. drooling. He can't. He can barely move. Yeah. He, he can't control himself. He's he can barely move. Well, and I think that there's an interesting commentary uh, commentary from the Ross brothers at the end, where it's just like as you know, you see Michael leave in the security cam footage, and the camera sort of pins up, uh, goes over to the little carousel playing was it uh america the beautiful i i'm, I'm trying to remember exactly what song i and can't remember like, either but, but it hurt but it, it's like hey this is america you know it's a it's not necessarily the pageantry that we talk about but it's like this is a real like this is a real part of america and like this is a real unique thing probably to american I don't, I don't know if oh, I no, no, culture. No, no, no. I, I it's, not, yes. it's not just American culture. No, 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 no. This happens all over the world. People have their places. They go to their places. They become intoxicated. They connect with other people. This is not unique to America. This is the thing that is... I don't no, know. No, no, no. I don't know if bar no, no, life... No. Let me finish. Bar please. life happens I, everywhere, whether it's in a bar... It doesn't have to be in a bar the way Americans do bar, but people go to their places, they connect with their people. And you have drunks like this everywhere. And Absolutely. you have drunks like this everywhere. I think that the the carousel isn't just like America the Beautiful. This is, this always happens no matter where you are. People come to their places, they do their thing. This will never go away. This is human nature. Setting this in Vegas, right? Like you've got Vegas, which is the most exaggerated form of America, right? You have these huge extravagant buildings and money and the lifestyle and the riches. And then you've got this little place. Yeah. I mean, there's quite a, quite, quite a statement there True. just between but there's all kinds of places like that in vegas i remember when i was in vegas years ago for ces actually when i was 10 plus years ago when i was working for togetherville when we went we went to a place called the copper coin and it was like old school vegas this was not big shiny vegas it was an old school vegas place it wasn't like that. It wasn't dive bar Vegas, like the kind that had like the booths that like sank down into the floor and had like old palm trees that came up. Like the nice. kind of place that was really cool 50 years ago. Oh yeah. Those places are all over Vegas. I, the, the other touch I love about this is like every real, real dive bar has that musty sofa that's like back tucked oh, yeah. in the corner. It, it's just like, it's like, oh wow, yeah. I know, I know that sofa. Not that I've ever slept on that sofa, but I yeah, know that sofa. you do. You don't want to know what's on that sofa. You do not. You you don't want to run the black light over the sofa. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> the signs, the t you know, the TV with all the weird stuff on it, like Jeopardy. 
Jeopardy. They do play Jeopardy, right? At some point together, they a do. little bit. They look at Jeopardy. Things Playing in the do. morning, which is like, yeah, um, rooms, I guess. I mean, to me, the thing I love about films like this is every movie that you see at a bar, it's like the coolest like dance club and you know, people all look like a certain way. And that's that's why I love like little slice of life movies like this because it's like, it feels so, so real and like- Dare we say, John, some cinema verte? Yeah, is yeah, that, for yes, sure. Is that what you're, yes. For sure. Before we jump into the spoiler territory, um, what do you all think about the kids? The story with, with the kids there, the son of the, the one bartender. What did you think of think of that? I'm curious. I don't know. I honestly, it seemed realistic enough to me. I mean, it just felt like I don't know. That would be my maybe main, my only critique maybe of the film. I just didn't, I didn't want really anything outside of the bar, and the kids outside seemed to be a little distracting to me. I I think it's oh I liked it. I think it's part of the ecosystem of the bar. It is, and, and if you're telling the story of the bar in those eighteen hours then you have to include it because they are, you know, there's always something outside the bar. There's always somebody going out back to smoke the cigarette, to get fresh air, to take the garbage out. There's always the behind the bar. Good point. And part of it. If mom, if single mom is working the bar late at night, there's the teen kid home alone no he's out on his bike he's trying to get some beers he's trying to get beers he's smoking pot with his friends oh yeah causing trouble that makes sense to me if the kid if the mom's trying to keep an eye on the kid and the and the kid's trying to follow rule follow the rules by keeping in touch with mom then yeah i i actually thought that was a really good part touch because i think if they stayed in the bar for the whole time it would it would be too much but i did have that grand celebration moment with the cake and the firecrackers yeah it's also kind of really sad and pathetic i'm glad that they included her kids because okay. that was her real life i think that's one thing the film does ex- an excellent 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 job of is that maybe it doesn't dive below the surface too much but there is some redeeming like incredibly redeeming quality and something that about each character that really makes you want to root for them whether they're a veteran, a single mother, uh, someone who had dreams that it just for, or luck and timing didn't work out. It's just like, there's something, there is a element to each character. It's just like, oh, I see where you came from. I see why this baby didn't quite work out for you. And maybe it wasn't all your fault. The, uh, the film does an excellent job with like each character, like giving you just a little slice of each character and showing you that. Well, so, okay, so this is a new film, so that's why I think it's good that the second half we we give a very clear separation. So if you're interested in watching Bloody Nose, Empty Pockets, uh, it's on Amazon Video On Demand for just 99 cents. So for those who have seen Bloody Nose, Empty Pockets, all right, we're starting the rest of the conversation here. There's no turning back. Spoiler word. <laughs> so the film, so the Sundance programmers contacted the filmmakers and said, um, we want, we, your film is selected for the U.S. documentary competition at Sundance. And they, the filmmakers were like, 
oh my God, that's so amazing. Thank you. We think we should let you know about some things <laughs> where they said, so they're from New Orleans, the filmmakers, they live in New Orleans, but they've been to Vegas a number of times. They could not find the perfect bar that they were looking for in Vegas. So what they did is for two days, they rented a spot in New Orleans and dressed it and it's complete that's all completely fake <laughs> like it was shot in new orleans there's not a bar that exists and so they told sundance it's not quite a documentary and when they told sundance the story sundance decided to keep it in documentary and they liked it even more so the people that i have a quote here from the directors um <laughs> they said i don't care what people call our films as long as people want to engage with them and as long as what we're doing is good and alive between the two of us there's a matter of framing and does someone going into a theater benefit from thinking this is a documentary or benefit from this as a fiction or benefit of having any knowledge at all does advanced knowledge detract from the experience I'm really curious because I don't know, um, and we're about to find out. This is what the directors said themselves. So what they did is, um, there is one actor, Michael is an actor, or a real Michael. <laughs> the rest of the cast was street cast. And what they did was they would find the, the type of person that they, you know, were interested in populating the bar with, and then they would also cast their drinking buddy in real life. So all of the people have like their drinking buddy. Everybody's really drinking. Everybody's really drunk and doing whatever it is that they're doing. They just set up the scenario. Michael was the only one that had a character arc. And occasionally they would go up to Michael and give him like little hints. But what the director said, because they've done nothing but documentaries before this, and they said that, you know, you can be filming over the course of years and hours and hours, hundreds of hours of footage. And they said that you can tell like occasionally like you can introduce something or insert yourself a little bit and it can and they could see opportunities to make the drama or whatever like just manipulate it just a little bit and so they thought with this film let's set up the location let's just let them know that this is your favorite bar you're going to be there with your friend and you're just going to be drinking for you know the 18 hours that we're filming and let's see what happens is pretty much what this, what, how it was set up for everyone except Michael. And they just rolled, rolled the cameras. Oh my God. Okay. So let me see if I can come up with the buddies, Pam and overalls. Yeah, probably. Okay. Right? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Who was Bruce's buddy? Yeah, that's a good question. Maybe because the he other sat there veteran? by himself. It could have been the other veteran woman that does lift up her top maybe is... His... But that's Pam, and I thought no, her Pam. buddy was overalls. I don't oh. know his name. What's his name? John. Because she said, "You, I wish I was there for you when you lost your wife, and you were there for me when I lost my son." Like that seems like there was history there, you know? Yeah, I don't know. And then everybody else seemed to make friends as time went on. Right. Yeah. The guy with the jacket 
that had his cards that came in mm -hmm. with the young African-American guy and then mm -hmm. left with him. They yeah, were they're clearly, yeah. Uh, who is Ira's friend? Yeah, I mean, some of them. Oh, oh um, Einstein yeah. and the one vet, right? Right? He was a vet. Yeah, he was a vet. I think so. Yeah, Einstein mm -hmm. and the one vet clearly mm -hmm. were buddies because they went and got their food afterwards. But think about like, okay, so... You know, I didn't read up anything about the film before I watched it too, like on purpose, yeah, I because know. I, I had just know. heard enough that I shouldn't to know that I, I shouldn't. What are your opinions on Sundance programming this as a documentary uh, purposefully? What is a documentary? I, I think on some level, there I can't help but think of parallels from uh, James Frey's book, A Million Little Pieces. And if you remember the controversy that comes out with that, is that- Remind, um, remind us. So he writes this. Uh, he writes this book. Uh, James alcoholic. Frey. Not James alcoholic. Frey, remember this? He's not an alcoholic. Well, he is an alcoholic, but he is a multiple. I this. It's a multiple uh, pill sort of um, problem yeah. that he had, and he yeah. starts to. Uh, he writes his memoir, A Million Little Pieces. What comes out over time is that he has not just taken his stories, but it's a compilation of other stories, and he sort of ties it together. Mm -hmm. And he runs into a little bit of a problem because with when it comes to, he submits it, the publishing house is like, yeah, we're going to publish this and we're, you know, it's your memoir and stuff like that. And I think he at the time is sort of like, hey, just my stories. But as a marketing tool, they're like, it's going to sell a lot better if we just say it is. Mm -hmm. And so it, Oprah what ends up really lost time, her shit on him. On him. And, and, and it's... And it's not right. And once she finds out, she's livid and she has him on the show and she like pretty much publicly shames him. But the problem is he's guilty of it. He definitely goes along with it. But it's like he's an aspiring author who's trying to get books, get his voice out there, get his name out there as an author. Like you really got to look at the publishing house. So yeah. I kind of feel like they sort of get thrust a little bit into a similar situation where they're obviously incredibly talented film direct makers. And then someday it's just like, hey, this is the way you guys shot this and the way that is presented and along with the catalog of work that you guys have already done, it works better as a documentary and it'll probably get more like, we'll just sell it that way. I don't blame the Ross brothers and I don't honestly- no, yeah. it, You it blame Sundance though for categorizing it as a documentary. Once in a while, if you read some, there's some stuff with Sundance that sometimes it's like, mm. like I appreciate the institution of Sundance, but it's like, I think they don't always really follow their mission statement the way that you would like them to. They've been upfront with this when, when asked, you know, and after Which it debuted it. Smart, yeah. smart. And after it premiered at Sundance, um, you know, Cat was out of the bag, but then a number of other film festivals programmed it as documentary and it has won a number of awards for best documentary at major film festivals now you see that's what so, would piss me off if i was some if i made one of those other documentaries and that film won as a doc then i'd have a problem i don't blame the movie i highly recommend the movie i don't think it takes anything away from the movie but I wouldn't want that movie winning as best documentary. You gave Michael an arc of Michael, you're homeless. 
we see that that conversation's going on. So maybe you should chime in about this. Mm -hmm. Everything else is a bunch of people talking to each other and we gave them no prompting. Right. They're just, they're talking about what they do and we gave them alcohol and they're doing what they normally do. Yeah. I mean, to me, Mike, like put them in a space. Scorsese says like documentary is to record and narrative is to interpret. They're not really interpreting. They're, they are like setting up a situation and recording with the exception of one person that they're, you know, given a little, a little now, tip to. Hey, now, if it. you asked anybody, it. if you I asked anyone, I'd be interested if you asked an audience, who was your favorite character? Like I said, <laughs> my favorite character was Michael and Michael had the best character arc. Michael was the only character that was not doing their, like Michael was the only fictional character and he was my favorite character. Well, that's interesting. What do you say about that? He was an interpretive character, but he was the one that was followed the most. He Mm -hmm. was the one that came in first. He was the one that was shown and you clearly were told, okay, he's shaving in the bathroom. So, you know, he does not have a bathroom to shave in. So right off the bat, you know, he woke up somewhere where he didn't have a bathroom. So he spent the entire day there. He knew some people there from before. You you know, he had interesting things to say all day. You knew he had connections. You saw things in his eyes. You knew that he had a lot of emotion, positive, negative throughout the day. You saw that moment when everyone went out to celebrate and he just hung in, he hung back. Mm-hmm. God, that was a sad moment, you know? Yeah. That was a really sad moment. And they manipulated that moment out of you. They, they manipulate, <laughs> yeah, they manipulated you throughout the, the movie. And so, yes, he was manipulated for you. Mm-hmm. So I guess, yeah, I mean, there were, there was manipulation going on there. And, and is it bad? End- I mean, where do you, I guess the question too is like, you know, if we just have narrative and documentary, you know, this one's That's like true. straddling some lines, like where, where would you put it? You know? Yeah, I agree. So Mike, you used a word, you created a word, right? Fiction and documentary. We need to like create a well, word. They, in, in, in television, we call it scripted reality when it's like, that was like the new thing that came up when you're talking about reality television, but the producers were feeding them lines. So it was scripted, um, scripted reality. So it's like a scripted doc. I even don't if really have just, a problem. Even if you're just, and I don't even know if they scripted him. I don't think they said like, say this right. line, say, you know, like, right. it's yeah, kind of removed from that even, Mike, because it's not like they're going around to every character and saying... I bet they're giving them beats is what I bet they're doing. Not necessarily the lines. And then they're letting them sort of unroll that thought. I really have no problem with this. I I, I think it's like, so I think it's so well done. I don't have a problem <laughs> with it either. I don't, but either. I don't know if I could call, I don't know if I could call it a dog. Right. I just, I just thought it was interesting. So just to give you guys a little more background, they filmed everything with the bar in one day. Day two was everything with the kids. The reason I asked you guys about the kids is when I was watching the kids stuff, I thought it felt staged. Uh, like, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I see. When what they're mean. smoking, when they're smoking pot outside. Yeah, I mean, I love it. I love the content, but yeah, 
Absolutely, yeah. it stays. So that's yeah. when I was like, hmm, I guess while I was watching it. So I was curious if you guys were going to give me any hints like that. I yeah. picked that up a little bit. They went to, they actually went to Vegas and filmed for, so they filmed two days in New Orleans and then they filmed two weeks on location in Vegas and they filmed every character's like backstory, like where they went after the bar and stuff. They cut pretty much all of that out of the film and they edited for over three years and what they said there's a there's a good interview with them on IndieWire um they had a real hard time because they kept cutting around showing the two brothers in shot because they had two cameras rolling the whole time the, yeah the mirrors yeah they kept trying I, to I, cut I that stuff this. out I, I guess they they got stuck because they kept trying to cut that out and then once they decided, all right, we're gonna we're gonna take everything outside of the bar basically out, except for the kids and a little bit at the end, and then we're gonna show each other in camera, then it kind of all clicked. I guess the movie was originally like four and a half hours long, and then it got down to like 90, 90 minutes. So I'll be honest, and I was thinking about it. What I would really want to know is how they did the audio. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess they since they built they must have... the they built the place, the they mic'd it like crazy. Is yeah, what they it's said. A, yeah. They're probably either coming from above and stuff like that. The they, sound I is really good. Yeah, <laughs> it's really good. Ex- and then the set, so in that case, if they built that bar, wow, the set design is incredible. It's yeah. so much like a real bar. It is so much like a real Every bar. Every detail is so incredible. It looks like a bar that has been there for 50 60 years yeah. yeah and i said to mike i'm like man it looks like a bar that might have been like a really cool bar to be at 50 <laughs> years ago <laughs> you know like back when that section of vegas was maybe really cool and yeah you know now it's a total dive so it made me think of there's a bar in erie that's closed called bobby's place on never, 18th never Street, okay? A few years ago, Bobby's Place closed and they had a big, Bobby's Place is closing. And it was a big deal. And the people who owned it, like it was a big party and I can't remember now, but Mike and I went one time uh, together and when you when we were there, it's like red inside. Remember Mike? Yeah, I mean, I listen. I've been to plenty of dive bars. I, I know, I, but I, mean, I don't want to be mean. Like, like for, for Erica's, like you know, again, I think this is a world, and I give him a lot of credit <laughs> for the authenticity. This is a world that I, particularly in my early twenties, and yeah, well, I have a no, bit just, of a soft spot for this this world. I think, I, like, I frequented this world for a while. For I mean, a while. I grew up in Albion and went to school in Edinburgh, so I kind of like, <laughs> yeah, you know, like. I, yeah. I definitely like have a kinship in a weird way with right. Like, these there are kinds. places like this all over the yeah everywhere. <laughs> I think the more I think about it, I actually get excited about the idea because they've what they've done is a really it's a different way of do, making a film, and that's that is something like I, I would even now more so recommend the movie because it's like that should be celebrated. How creative and unique, and so yes. I, do I think it should necessarily be called the dock? Maybe not, but who gives a shit? Right. This is a really, <laughs> this is a really like engaging, entertaining uh, film. That like I would say, hey, watch this movie. This is an excellent, excellent movie. 
So, I feel the yeah. same as you, Mike. Like I, I liked it quite a bit just on its surface. And then when I read up on it, I was like, this is really special. Like, yeah. This is really something special. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like you, I'm sure there are people that's like, oh, it's a gimmick. So what? It's a gimmick that works. Like, I think it's excellent filmmaking. I'll say that. So whether you want to call it a narrative or if you want to call it a doc, doesn't matter at the end of the day because it's the mechanics of it are unique and original. Erica, any last thoughts or we can wrap it up? Though it's not the kind of bar you'd ever find me in. <laughs> Watching it Zero made chance. me thirsty for a glass of whiskey. Feel like I was um, cozied up with my friends, if not with my hubby. Yeah. Erica wouldn't step foot in the <laughs> 20s. Let, let's get let's not get this twisted like i love my wife inside and out the like, name like might have got her in like if she was just scanning through names of bars nope, nope. not a chance <laughs> i'm telling you she would look at it and like she would she would cast judgment on me for liking going to a bar like that and so it's just like i know the bars that i can go to without her and i know the bars that we have to go to together this would not be that place these would not be her people. He's right. I'm not going to lie. He's right. I mean, he knows me. It's just not my crowd. Not my crowd. And that's all right. John, what, any last thoughts from you about the film? Yeah, I mean, I was going to say that I, I was trying to find the name of it. The last dive bar I went to is when I went to Santa Monica um, just recently. And it's called Ches J. It was definitely a super dive bar, but it was kind of famous. Um, when I went in there, they had pictures on the wall when uh, Sinatra and um, some other people would stop in there. And there was an elephant at the bar in one picture. And uh, There's a famous dive bar in New York City called Welcome to the Johnsons and was in there when Wilco showed up. And Wilco drank at Welcome to the Johnsons. There like, you go. There are famous dive bars. Yeah. Place had character. Obviously, the filmmakers had a spot in their hearts they wanted to try and recreate. And I think I think they found the right cast characters to bring it to life for all of us. So that's been our episode. Thanks for listening. You can find us on social media, the Film Society of Northwestern PA, the Greater Erie Film Office. We have all of our links in the show notes for this episode. Until next time, this was Film Grain. <laughs>